0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. I like your scarf. I think your eyelashes are great. Um, I think. How many of you actually said that one? I want to (laughs) know. All right, you can be seated. How many of you guys told someone their eyelashes were great? You're w- you're welcome for that new uh, that new encouraging word. Some of you, I can see him from here. Wow, amazing, amazing. <clears throat> Y'all doing good today? You ready for our final week on this series? Have you guys enjoyed it so far? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that this is one of the most um, influential series that we've ever done as a church, because um, it just speaks to something that a lot of churches do not speak about. Um, so we're going we're gonna to dive in today. I got a lot for you. This is going to be a little different today, the way I'm going to teach about this, but um, I believe in life, we all have a plan. How many of you had a plan for your life? You realize that in five years from now, you want to be here, or you want to be there, But how many of you have also experienced that a lot of times life does not go the way that you planned that it would go? Things turn out different. Huh, anybody? You you made like a plan. I'm a planner. I've I've got my days listed. And sometimes it just doesn't work the way I wrote it down. Hmm? Been there. It just doesn't work the way that I wrote it down. And I think a lot of times, we have all can say we've had something bad happen in our life. Hmm? If you're alive today, we all can say that. But I believe that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% our response to it. Things happen to all of us, but you'll notice something similar can happen to two people and they'll react totally different ways. Completely different ways. So listen, if you're struggling today and you've dealt with depression or anxiety or PTSD or, or bipolar or panic attacks, I believe you're going to get healed. There is health and cure for you, the Bible says. But also, I want you to know that if you deal with that, it doesn't mean you're not spiritual enough. It doesn't mean you're not a good Christian. Hmm? Hmm? There's a stigma that says you're just, you have a weak mind, you just, you're not strong enough in faith, and that is such a lie from the enemy, such a lie. So we're going to talk about this, and if you find yourself in one of those places, like oftentimes I have in my life, I believe that God is going to give you some answers today. This was ministering to me as I was studying. Did you know that the number one cause of, of um, suicide in America is Depression. And there's almost a 50% difference that men will actually go through with it more than women. But did you know that depression by next year will be the leading cause of health issues in women? That's a big deal, you guys. The number one leading, depression. A lot of us have experienced negative events in our life, but they tend to cloud our mind and our perspective. And we have to choose how we react to them. So they're going to put up this slide real quick. And I just want to give some of the the symptoms here. That if you see these in someone that you know, that you love, that you need to ask the question, hey, are you okay? In men, this is a comparison of depression symptoms. In men, generally they experience anger, irritability, or aggressiveness. Women... Persistent sadness, their anxious or empty mood. Men, anxious, restlessness or on edge. Women, hopelessness. Men, loss of interest in work, family, or once pleasurable activities. Women, feeling of guilt, worthlessness, or helplessness. Men, problems with sexual desire and performance. Women, decreased energy or fatigue. Men, feeling tired, not being able to sleep, or sleeping too much. Women, difficulty sleeping, early morning, awakening. How many women have experienced this? You fell asleep, but you woke up at two. Huh? And all the women went. Just now. Yeah, you've experienced this. Difficulty sleeping. Men, thoughts of suicide or attempts. Women, moving or talking more slowly. Men, physical aches and pains. Females, appetite or weight changes. Men, engaging in high-risk activities. I asked my husband if he was okay the other day because he wanted to get a motorcycle. (laughs) And I was like, high-risk, baby, all right? And he's like, it's a dream. I was like, it's never going to happen, all right? I squashed it. I'm not a mean wife, okay? I just really love him. I I want him to be okay. Um, So these symptoms you see, now this isn't just saying, okay, if you're a woman and you're experiencing some of these symptoms, it's not to say everybody's different. So everybody experiences different ones. Are you with me today? So it's not saying that only women experience this and only men experience this, but these are a lot of statistic-wise what each gender kind of goes through. How many of you, let's just be honest in here, and I'm raising my hand, have experienced one or more of these symptoms? Wow, almost 100% of you. So we can't act like this is not an issue in church or an issue with Christians because it happens. It happens, and when we see these in people or in people we love or our coworkers, we need to ask the question, are you okay? Go with me if you have your Bibles today, how many of you brought those Bibles? Look at you, some of them are glowing, wow, wow. Turn with me to Philippians. You know, um, I've heard a lot of people say Philippians wrong, but last night my husband was a best man in a wedding, and they announced him in the reception as Jehoshaphat, <laughs> William Jehoshaphat. And I was like, Really? Like, read the, whatever. So, um, yeah, it's great. Fantastic. So, Philippians 4, go to verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. I'm going to read this to you. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not sometimes, not when you feel like it, always. I'll say it again. You know something's good when they're like, I'll say it again. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Isn't that an amazing scripture in the Bible? Listen, we know there were multiple disciples. If you've ever heard about them, you know that there were two named Peter and then another named Judas. How many of you have heard those names before? Yeah, Peter and Judas. Peter and Judas, both disciples, both disciples, they both had personal relationships with Jesus. They both saw him do signs and wonders. They saw him heal the blind. They saw him heal the lame. They were at a, at a wedding, and, and Jesus turned the water into wine. He's like, turn up for what? You know, and he just went, turned, and they're like, oh, my gosh, did you see that? Crazy. These men were experiencing the same things. Everybody with me today? The exact same things. They were seeing the same things. They were experiencing the same things. They were there when Jesus multiplied fish and bread. They saw it with their own eyes. Amazing. They both saw this and walked away like, this is nuts. This is crazy. Can't believe this is happening. But they both had personal relationships with Jesus. The difference between them is they both made the same mistake, but they acted a different way. So they both went through similar life experiences and they both reacted differently. Isn't that interesting how you can go through the same thing as someone, see the same thing and you both react completely different ways. And Peter and Judas, they reacted different different ways. They both made nearly the same mistake at some point. Judas sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Crazy. Crazy. He comes to the Garden of Gethsemane with soldiers and Pharisees. And this is crazy because he goes, he kisses Jesus on the cheek right before he betrays him. And this is so cool about your God. He, when he does this, Jesus says, friend, do what you came to do. How amazing that even in the midst of betrayal, Jesus called Judas friend. Even in his biggest life mistake moment, God called him friend. In the midst of his betrayal, Jesus knew what was happening and he said, Friend. The last words Judas ever heard from Jesus, he heard him call him friend. He called him friend. See, this encourages me because it shows me that I can come out of anything. That I can go through the worst thing in life, and I can still come out, and Jesus will call me friend. Now Peter commits nearly the same mistake. Jesus tells him, "Hey, when the rooster crows, you're gonna betray me three times." And Peter's like, "No, I'm not gonna. Whatever. Like, you don't. I'm not gonna. You don't know me." Jesus, is like, "Oh, I know you, Peter." And three times it's gonna be. Three times. And Peter, this is so crazy. Scripture tells us he betrays Jesus to a little girl. A little girl. She's like, are you one of those disciples? He's like, no, not me. I mean, I don't, don't know him. To a child, to a little girl. How crazy is this? To a child. He's like, no, no, I don't know Jesus. And Scripture says that he betrayed him and That he actually curses out this little girl. Great guy, right? I mean, doesn't that just make you want to be friends with him? I like to be friends with people that cuss out little kids. I mean, so he cusses out this little girl. And Peter and and Judas both betrayed Jesus. But they both reacted differently after the betrayal. Their failures were quite the same, but their reactions were quite different. And I know some of you maybe today feel like giving up and you've experienced maybe a failure in your life, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a bright future for you. In the midst of Judas's worst thing he ever did in his life, Jesus looked at him in the moment he was committing it and said, friend, friend. You know, it's always too soon to quit. Always too soon to quit on yourself, on someone you love. It is always too soon to quit. Always. Without fail, it's always too soon. And Jesus, even in the midst, he knew what was happening, and he still chose not to quit. Judas's last words he ever heard from his friend were his friend calling him friend. Wow. You know the Bible says that the righteous man falls 7 times but he gets back up. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. I know when we go through things in life, when we go through loss or or death or breakups or financial stress or failure or pain, we need to have the right reaction. We need to have the right reaction. 10% of what happens to us but 90% is how we react to it. See, I know for me a lot of times when I feel this way, I like to isolate. Anybody been there? When you're not just feeling good, when you're feeling sad or something has happened, you're like, let me just stay home. I don't want to be around people. But Judas isolated himself. Peter found community. Nearly the same failure, totally different reactions. And isolation intensifies the pain, but community heals it. And in the moment, it's the last thing you really feel like you want to do. Like, I know some of you maybe even didn't feel like you wanted to come to church today. But let me tell you, isolation intensifies pain, but community will heal it. And Judas went and isolated himself, and Peter went and found his other friends, his disciples, and went fishing. He got in community. Now, they both were idiots. They made horrible mistakes, but they reacted differently. You know what that tells me? Even when I'm an idiot, God still calls me friend. He still can use me. I can still bounce back. Anybody ever been just stupid for a moment? I mean, just plain old, like, just stupid. Yeah? Double hands all limbs raised. I've been stupid before, okay? But thank God that he, even in the midst of my stupidity, calls me friend and still has a good future for me. Peter, same failure. They reacted differently. Peter went on to be the leader of the New Testament church, not just a part of it. He was the man, the leader, A man who denied he even knew Jesus became the leader of his church. Amazing. That tells me that God can do something big with my life, even if I've made big mistakes. And you know, in 2019, all these years later, the church is still here, still moving forward, still changing lives. Peter chose the right reaction. It was Peter who said, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. And I appreciate that this was Peter that said it. The one that made a really stupid decision. Because he knew something about casting cares. He knew something about burdens and weight and shame. And he says, cast your cares because he cares for you. He cares for you. You know, I have to make a choice how I react, and my reaction has to be, God, I'm casting my cares upon you. And I know for people that deal with anxiety like I do, you're dealing with this thought of, if I cast my cares on him, what if he drops them? What if he doesn't come through? What if I cast my cares and he drops them? But you see, God doesn't just say, cast your cares upon him. He's better than that. He tells us why we should cast our cares upon him. Because he cares for you. Listen, he's careful with your life. He's careful with your feelings. He's careful with your heart, with your mind. He's careful with your life. That's why we're able to cast cares upon him, because he's careful. He doesn't treat it like it's no big deal. He won't ever drop it. He's careful with what you value most. He's careful. You should cast your cares because he cares for you. And I know a lot of us have went through life and people have let us down. And so it makes us get that view towards our God. Everyone else has let us down. Every care I cast on someone else, they dropped But let me tell you, God will never drop any of your cares. He will be careful with your life. You know, today you might find yourself dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety, and so on. But I want to give you some action steps. These are by real doctors, real psychiatrists, real therapists, and the word of God that will bring more joy into your life. Anybody have enough joy? Anybody want a little bit more? Hmm? You know, I, um, have you ever woken up and you had so much to do that you were overwhelmed and you're like, I just don't know (laughs) where to start. So you almost don't do anything for a little bit. You're like walking around. I'll walk to every room in my house and nothing has happened. And I'm like, got to pinpoint something. What am I starting with today? Anybody been there and you waste like an hour like doing, going from one thing and then nothing's done and you're like, okay, I should just. Focus in for a minute. I should focus in for a minute. Anybody been there today? Come on, talk with me. You ever been there when you're like, I don't know where to start today. I have so many things that are pressing to get done. What do I do? What do I do? And it's in those times I'm thankful that I can choose my act my reactions before I'm in that moment. I can choose, and my reactions really are just my habits. And I love because habits, habits are when you don't know what to do, you still know what to do. Come on, I've woken up and I'm like, I don't know what to do, but I know what to do because I have created habits. Woke up not feeling... Right, well, I've created a habit that the first thing I do is I get in my word. So even when I don't know what to do, I know what to do because of the habits I've created, because of the pre-choice choices I've inserted into my life. So I'm not waiting for a good thought or the right feeling. I'm not waiting till I feel it to do it. I've created a habit that even when I don't feel it, when I don't know what to do, I still know what to do. I'm going to act my way into the destination and bank that my feelings will catch up eventually. Let me give you 7 7 hacks to happiness. These are simple. So if you're like Mercedes, these just seem really simple. They are. And I like that in church. I like to be able to get in my car afterwards and be able to put something in motion. Anybody else? If you're a theologian in here, sorry, today is so simple. So simple, but it works. Let me give you seven seven hacks to happiness that is proven to increase your joy in your life. Are you ready? And y'all, I'm sorry, my eyes are watering today. So if I look like I'm crying, I'm really all right. I'm just really sad. I'm just jo- I'm kidding. I'm fine. Number one. Number one, three walks a week. Simple. Three walks a week. I'm not forcing you to do a marathon. I'm not saying to go get in CrossFit and be crazy. I'm just saying three walks a week. And research shows that when we do this, our emotions are connected to our physical body. And if we will change our scenery and we will get out in the fresh air and we will walk for five minutes, our emotions will change. It will change what's happening inside of our bodies. Three walks a week. I'm not asking you even right now to do it every day. Try to get work up to it. But three, I'm, even, I'm only asking for five minutes. Change your scenery. A lot of us sit in in offices or in cubicles and it's easy to just not see anything else you got to change your surroundings go take a walk and it will change what's happening in your mind says that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and a lot of people use that just for purity but I think it goes beyond that this is the only body we ever get most of us will have multiple cars in our lifetime we get one of these we have to take care of it. It's important what we do with it, what we put into it. We get one. Come on, you put the wrong fuel in your car. Does it work right? No, it blows up. You want to blow up? Go take a walk. Some of you are like, Is that, does that actually happen? It does. I don't think so. I've never known it to, but, you know, always learning. So... You know, you can't turn 30 and get a new body. You get this one. Everybody that's not 30 yet is like, uh, was unaware of that rule. Thought I could get another one. You can't. You get one body, you need to take care of it. Three walks a week. Number two, 20-minute replay. Mercedes, what the heck does that mean? Somewhere in your day, no matter how busy you are, you need to give yourself 20 minutes to reflect. 20 minutes. 20 minutes to reflect, no matter how busy you are. For your mental state, you need to give yourself 20 minutes to reflect. 20 minutes. Researchers asked people over 60 what they would have done more of in their life if they could go back. And the number one answer was reflect. They were not in the moment. You got to reflect on things that have happened that day. Because otherwise, some things we can distort and think something really happened when it didn't. you got to reflect. you gotta get, You got to get a clear mind. We tend to maximize the bad and minimize the good. When you take 20 minutes to reflect, it will reverse it. You'll begin to see the good. You'll begin to actually think what happened during your day. Happiness begins to increase. Another way to do that is journaling. I know a lot of men think that's girly, so okay, but it helps to reflect, to reflect. Number three, random acts of kindness. Have you ever been a recipient of a random act of kindness? Isn't it great? You're like, wow, that was so nice. But have you ever been the giver of a random act of kindness? It has the ability to take you from where you are and move you somewhere else. It takes the visual off of yourself and puts it on what's actually happening around you. I was at uh, Natural Grocers a few weeks ago, it's where I grocery shop. I was having a bad day, nothing really went right. I was just not having it. So I was like, I'm gonna get my stuff. I was sick. I went, got what I needed, and I was in line. And I'm there just thinking about me. And I turn to my left, and there is um, an army man right there, a soldier, fully dressed. And he has his calculator out, and he's calculating how much his groceries are. And he's about to put some things back. And I said, I want to pay for his groceries. You know what that did? Sure, it probably blessed him. I know it did but it took me out of my situation and it sparked joy in my life. It made me stop thinking about me and realize there's other things happening in the world besides me. Made me open my eyes, random acts of kindness, it can jolt you into a new emotion like shock therapy almost. It can jolt you into something else, into another emotion. You know, until your hand gives generously, your heart cannot see correctly. You have got to live generously or your vision of your life will be foggy. That's how God created us to live, generous. I made this a life habit that when I'm in line at like a Starbucks, if there is anyone behind me in line, their drink is being paid for. Now, I'm not saying that's not in the Bible. God says if you're at a Starbucks, pay for the person behind you, okay? But I'm saying that is is a discipline I put in my life. Honestly, not for them, for me, because it sparks joy in me. It gets me to stop thinking about me. Number four, a complete... Unplug. This one is the hardest for me. A complete unplug. My husband has helped me with this. An hour a night I unplug. Our phones are in another room. TV isn't on. Computers not open. I unplug. I unplug for an hour. Did you know that the blue lights in your cell phones actually send a signal to your brain to stop producing melatonin. And so you do not sleep how you're supposed to sleep. So it's important that before you go to bed, you've taken time to unplug and let that melatonin start creating so that you can sleep. And a lot of times people with anxiety, we don't like quiet. We have to have something on, noise, something filling. But it will affect your sleep. It'll affect your sleep. Scientifically proven. I didn't make it up. I promise. We have this fear of missing out. So we have our phone or the TV. We, want, we have to know what's happening because we don't want to miss out. But we need to unplug. We need to stop focusing on everything else and unplug for our own mental clarity, our own mental state. Happiness rises when your phone doesn't work. Hmm? Happiness rises when your phones don't. You got to be proactive. Number five, workflow. And I know this is weird because we went from a complete unplug to workflow. Let me explain this to you. There is something about getting lost in your work with something you're passionate about. You need it. Otherwise, you do not see the future. When I get down and I write a message, I can I am engulfed in it for hours, and I completely dive in. You need to figure out what you're passionate about and plow. Let me tell you, the disciples were not people fresh out of seminary. They were ones that knew how to plow and work their field. God chose people that worked hard, that knew how to work. Purpose is drawn to those that plow. Number six, number six, two-minute meditations. What does that mean? It means stopping, pausing, getting quiet, silence, clear your mind. Some of you are like, I don't think that's even possible for me. I mean, I just don't, I, I can't ever just not be thinking about something. Women, are you with me? Anybody like, I've got 50 tabs going on. I have no idea where the music's coming from. I just, there's something all the time. And I know men, you guys go into your brains and you pick one box and in the moment that is the box you open and when you're done with it you put it back. Women, all of our tops are off. All of our box tops and we're like uh, I have everything happening right now. Men, you pick one. I respect you for that but I don't get it. I don't understand how you can do that. But we've got to take time and have Some two-minute meditations. Let me tell you how to do this, okay? If you're like, I just can't, I've tried, doesn't work, can I show you how? They say that if you breathe through your chest, it actually increases anxiety. So you need to learn how to breathe correctly in moments like this. If you will breathe in through your nose, one, two, and you need to breathe with your abdomen, You can figure out how to do this by looking in the mirror, and you'll see your abdomen move. Breathe in through your nose, one, two, out, one, two. In through your nose, use your stomach. And it is scientifically proven to reduce anxiety. Some of us just don't breathe right, and you're thinking you have all of these issues. Just start breathing. Start breathing right. And when you do that, when you concentrate on breathing, when you've figured out how to just breathe for a moment, for two minutes, you're just focusing on taking those breaths in and out, using your abdomen, not your chest. Then, once you've figured it out, your body will learn. And once it learns, then in that two minute meditation, start believing and saying and speaking promises over your life. Start reading the Word of God as you're doing it. Is this helping anybody? You've got to make sure to use your abdomen when you breathe. It is proven that if you use your chest, it increases heart rate, blood pressure. It sends signals to the brain to freak. Breathe. Just concentrate on breathing. Concentrate on breathing. The Bible says that those who meditate on the word of God will flourish. So figure out how to breathe. Get your body used to it and then start meditating. Start meditating. I recite promises and verses and, and scripture that really sparks joy in me. I put, anybody ever seen Marie Kondo? I use just that right now. Sparks joy. Have You ever seen that? Watch Netflix, you guys. Like, just take a minute. You'll learn how to clean. Your life will feel better. Feel less crazy. Number seven. Are you ready? Five Gratitudes. Every week, end your week with a list of five things you're thankful for. Not asking for 100. Five. Five things you're thankful for. Because whatever you magnify in your life will become bigger. So I don't want to magnify anxiety. And I don't want to magnify fear and depression. I want to magnify some hope, some joy, some good things. I want to say what I'm thankful for because then that will increase in my life. I don't want to magnify anxiety because then that will increase in my life. Some of us, all we do all day long is talk about how anxious we are. Shut up and talk about how grateful you are and watch the levels begin to change because your predominant thought Your predominant thinking is what will be issued into your life. In the Bible, it says, What I feared most greatly has come upon me. It was not just a fear he had every once in a while, something he was nervous about. It was his predominant thinking, the predominant thought, the predominant fear. And it started activating in his life. But if you can switch that around and make your predominant thought, your predominant thinking things you're thankful for, you'll have more things to be thankful for. But if you magnify anxiety, you'll have more things to be anxious about. So start five gratitudes. Five gratitudes. Five gratitudes. Listen, you can, you can come up with five. I have a roof over my head. I have clothes. I like my hair. My eyelashes are great, you know. Five things you're thankful for, okay? Five. Start there. Increase it if you want, but five. You know, maybe you're in the fight of your life today for your mental health. Maybe it is like you're swimming through muggy water every day. Start doing these things and joy will increase. Living proof, joy will increase. And I'm telling you, get in community like Peter did. Do not isolate yourself, even though human nature will tell you to. Do the opposite of what you feel. Create these pre-choice choices that when I don't feel like it, I'm still getting up, I'm going to church. When I don't feel like it, I'm still going to go hang out with these people. When I don't feel like it, I'm still going to Wednesday night. I'm still going to youth group. I'm still going to small group. Decide before you're in the moment and your feelings lie to you what you're going to do. Can I be honest with you? I woke up today. I didn't really feel like coming to church. I got in late last night. I was tired. My eyes were like bright red. I was so sleepy. But you know what? I made a choice a long time ago to come to church. So it didn't really matter how I felt when I woke up because I had already decided my habits, and my habits then increase my joy and my feelings catch up. Philippians four, Paul's writing to a church that is suffering, they're full of pain, full of struggles, full of strife, lack, issues, and Paul writes this prescription. He says, do what you know to do, I just gave you seven, seven steps that you can do but what's crazy is that as you read the Bible, research and science are finally catching up to the word of God. All these years, and there was already an answer. So do all these seven steps, but then take Paul's prescription as well. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Not when you feel like it. Not when everything's going right. Not when you're, you know, all together together. Rejoice always, find things to be thankful for always. In the midst of a panic attack, if you've ever had one, try to look at something in the room, find an object, focus on it, and after about 30 seconds, it will calm you down and then start saying things that you're thankful for. Come on, these are practical things, these are things that can really help you. You're breathing, find an object to stare at, it will make the room stop spinning because you really can't focus when you're having a panic attack. Find an object, control your breathing, and then start listing gratitudes, and you'll calm down. Your mind will come back into order. Regardless of how you feel. See, emotions lie to us. They tell us it's so much worse than it really is. And we have to make choices today so that tomorrow... We can be free. And we know how to be free. We got to get in the Word of God and know what's really happening. The Bible says sorrow comes at night, but joy comes in the morning. You know, you can't find joy at the surface of your problems. Ever tried? You're like, well, this just sucks, to be honest. I can't find anything good about the situation. But in the depths of your spirit, if you've created habits, it will bypass what you're feeling. And it will make you have control over your body and you can tell it what to do. So I've told my body what to do before I'm ever in the, in the, the, the attack. My body has been told and it's been programmed and the more I've done it, the easier it is, the more natural it is. You have to speak it out loud. Let your emotions hear what's happening. Let your body hear the truth. Because in those moments, all your emotions are overwhelming, and that's all you're hearing. You need to verbalize even what you're not feeling. God, I thank you that right now, even though I'm feeling panic, that I have peace of mind. And you need to let your body hear what's going to happen. You need to let your body hear it come out of your mouth, what it needs to do. You need to let your body hear that it has to go back into order because the Bible says that when you speak, things have to happen. So if your body can hear it, my spirit can bypass what my soul is doing. Isn't that amazing? It says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that means it goes past my mind. Peace will ensue your life if you will start these habits, if you will begin to speak things you're thankful for. So you may have been seeing doctors for years, and you think the problem is way too big. You think the mountain's way too big, and you're going to deal with this the rest of your life. But God promises a peace that surpasses all understanding. Why don't you believe that instead of what the doctors say? Why don't you believe that peace that God has promised you can have in your life over what Dr. Whatever said? You know, he may have said something, your doctor, but let me tell you, God's word trumps them every day. I'm not saying don't get help. I believe that if you need to get on medication, you can get on medication. But I believe that there's health and cure because God promises it. And there are things we're living with in life that we don't need to live with. And you can be free from them. You can be free. Peace will guard your hearts. You know, I can't afford to be bitter. I can't afford to be offended. Because if it gets in me, it's coming out of me. Did you hear that? If it gets in here, it's coming out of here. Because the Lord says, What's in your heart will come out. So you have to guard it. But I need God's peace to guard my heart. Scripture also says guard your mind. God wants you to have peace in your heart, but peace in your mind. That surpasses all understanding. Jesus is still a healer. He's still healing. He didn't stop. He's still healing. He can heal mental illness. He can heal anxiety. He can heal depression. You need to believe that over yourself. That you don't have to live that way forever. That peace that surpasses all understanding is what you shall have. A lot of us believe about guarding our hearts. But did you know that your mind... Is really almost more important because it sends signals to everything else in your body. So if this isn't working right, you're not working right. They're going to show this diagram of your brain up here, and I'm no doctor, but I've met with I've met with them in this series. I've done research, so I'm not giving you a bunch of. Um, opinions. This is true. Do they have it up there? How many of you can see that? Brains are really pretty, huh? Aren't they beautiful? That was a joke. They're really weird looking, okay? So brain, your brain stem, everybody see that? Your brain stem. I would not be up here talking to you today if mine was not working. Your brain stem is so vitally important that it controls your heart rate your blood pressure respiration sleep wake cycle and so many other things so it's very important a lot of times we think that our heart's the most important but if that is not working your heart's not working your other organs aren't working correctly you're getting other issues in your body manifesting because of this your limbic system, where our emotions and behaviors are housed. Neocortex, where our executive, executive thinking is housed, our logic, our rationality. And a lot of people in their lives live in their limbic system. They live highly emotional, highly reactionary lives. And God did not design it that way. He didn't design it that way. The neocortex allows us to not live in this highly Emotional charge state. It's there to save us. Okay, this is what I really want to talk to you about. The amygdala, when you think of anxiety or panic attacks, that's where that comes from. You have three reactions, fight, flight, or freeze. When you're having anxiety, how many of you want to fight? How many of you want to run? How many of you just freeze? Those reactions come from that part of your brain. And when you go through anxiety or panic, you experience one of those three things, fight, flight, or freeze. You get angry, you want to fight, you, you want to run, you want to freeze. Sometimes it's all of them. You get angry, you want to run away, completely freeze. But the amygdala, in my case, Colin and I joke about this because I say I have a supersized amygdala and his is like a pea-sized. Dude's not anxious about anything. Nothing bugs him. And I'm over here. It's like the size of my head, you guys, okay? So he doesn't get anxious, but if a person's dealing with anxiety, they generally have a supersized amygdala. So this is not something people are choosing. It means that part of their brain is bigger than others. But did you know there's ways to shrink it? Anybody know that? There's ways to shrink it? When you're dealing with anxiety, some of the things I said, those seven things, those help, exercise, breathing, that shrinks it down like we talked about earlier. But do you know the number one thing that research shows that shrinks your amygdala in the middle of an anxiety moment? Prayer. Twelve minutes in prayer and it goes back to normal size. That's not just... Church saying that is scientifically proven 12 minutes in prayer, and your amygdala will go back to its normal size. Is that not remarkable? All of this medical science and the Word of God has been providing the cure since the beginning of time. Pray. And it will go down. Pray and anxiety will flee your life. Pray and panic will leave. Pray and depression will cease. 12 minutes. 12 minutes and it will start to change how your mind and your brain are formed. Listen, you don't have to be anxious the rest of your life. In 12 minutes... You could be free. Is that not exciting for someone in the room that has been debilitated their whole life by fear, by anxiety, by panic, by depression? That 12 minutes in prayer with your father will make your brain back to normal the way that he created it to work. So the next time you're feeling anxiety or you're feeling panic, begin to pray. Begin to pray until you feel it get in order with the word of God. Come on, you can talk to God and your brain will get in order. Does that not stun you that God created it almost to throw it in the world's face? Like, yeah, all that stuff, sure, it helps. But if you just pray, it'll fix itself. How many of you have ever heard that before? How many of you ever knew that? If you'll literally spend 12 minutes in prayer, your anxiety will cease, your panic will cease, joy will begin to spark in your life. Stand with me to your feet today. I want to read this verse over you because I talked to so many people this week and they never knew this verse existed in the Bible. But this is what I believe God has for your life today, for your loved one that's struggling with this. Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace. We remember peace means health, wealth, prosperity, and every kind of good. As you trust in him and may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope. That is what God has for your life. It is not anxiety. It's not panic. It's not fear. He wants you to radiate with hope. He says that you will literally overflow and not be able to contain the joy. That is the promise of God over you, over your child, over your mother, over your brother, over your coworker. That you would live a life with uncontainable joy. And that you would radiate with hope. And hope means a positive expectation. That means you would always have a hope for your future. Never would you feel hopeless. Never would you feel like it wasn't going to work out. What is my life going to be? You would radiate with hope. Which means when you wake up in the morning, you have hope for what God's going to do. When you go to bed at night, you have hope for what God's going to do. You are never confined to anxiety. Twelve minutes in prayer. And that amygdala in your brain will go back to its normal size. And I encourage you in moments like that, if you don't know what to pray, pray this verse. Begin to speak it over your life. Begin to say, no, my God, the inspiration and the fountain of hope. This is what he has for me, that he would fill me with overflowing and uncontainable joy. Perfect peace. That I would be continually surrounded by super abundance. Anybody, abundance is great. I'm good with it. But super abundance, I'd rather. And then I would radiate with hope. Life does not have to be filled with fear. The way you've lived, you don't have to continue living in it. You don't have to continue to wake up in panics. You don't have to go into social settings and you're nervous because there's so many people, if you will literally control your breathing and begin to pray, you will be fine. Is that good news for anybody this morning that that's God's hope? Would you just lift your hands towards heaven? I want to pray over you today. God, I thank you for every person in this service and every person that's going to be listening later. Lord, that you designed our brains to respond to your word. So today, God, I believe this verse over your people, over me, God. I believe, I believe that I don't have to live an anxious life and they don't have to live an anxious life. They don't have to live in fear. They can be free. And I thank you right now, God, as your presence fills this place, that people right now, chains are beginning to break off people. Anxiety's beginning to fall. Panic's beginning to leave, God. We're praying your word and I commend in people's brains, that amygdala to go back to normal size in the name of Jesus. Lord, that as they leave this place, they leave free. They leave filled with joy, that they radiate with hope, God. Right now, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit right now begins to work in their minds, in their brains, in their bodies, creating things back to order, God, bringing it back to what your word says we can have. And we believe it to be so, God, we accept it, we receive it, and we declare this over our lives and over our generations to come. That not only will we be free, but it will create our family lines to be free. That because we got free, they can be free. That because we learned how to deal with anxiety and what the world throws at us, that they will never have to deal with what we've dealt with, that right now, God, we declare freedom for us and for our generations to come. In the name of Jesus, if you receive it, would you give God a big shout of praise? Did that help anybody today? Did you learn something? Are you able to help someone else now? Come on, there's practical things you can do for your body, but there's spiritual things that will do a whole lot more good. When you go through this week, I guarantee you, you will have a moment where the devil will try to throw it in your face. And in that moment, I want you to control your breathing and start to pray because he has no place. And it is your mind. You have the mind of Christ. Fear does not get to exist in you. And isn't that nice that you now have knowledge that as you're doing something, it actually will work? Anybody ever tried something just to try it and see if it worked? You don't have to try this. It just works. So if you do it, it will work. Praise God. I love you guys. Have you enjoyed this series? I think it's helped. It's helped me so much. Now, I encourage you, if you haven't got one of these booklets, you need to get it. It's filled with tools, verses, things for you. But if you have a friend that's been dealing with with depression, with anxiety, you need to get them this booklet, but you need to get them this podcast. Do you hear me? You need to give this to someone. You need to help someone with the help you've been helped with. Will you do that this week? Will you all try to find one person that you can help through this? Yeah? Two people? Anybody else want to help someone else be free? Yeah. Next week is our first anniversary in this building, praise God, in our 28th as a church. And I want to announce to you that as a special gift for our anniversary, Pastor Jim will be speaking to you next week. So be here. Be ready. I didn't think there was any better way to celebrate our anniversary than having our founder, senior pastor, speak. You guys agree? So come, bring a friend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.